some one of the women here uh, came up to me. I think it was last week, and they said, "I had this picture in my mind of Irene, and I, they wanted it to be shared at the service, but we it, there was time was short yesterday. But they saw her as she came up into heaven and was there with the Lord, and like looking at Him." And then looking down at us and shaking her hands and saying, See, you guys, he's real. I told you he's real. And I thought that was, a, that was great. Uh, is there anything else I want to share? Probably not. Okay. Hey, you know, I wanted to share yesterday, but I just I wasn't doing too good yesterday. Um, heaven gained a beautiful saint a week and a half ago, or two weeks, or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, people don't often become famous down here. It's very rare that someone becomes famous. But Irene was famous in heaven. And I'd way rather be famous in heaven than be a movie star, or a great singer, or a sports star, and... I'd rather have fame because of the legacy that I left on planet Earth. And Irene left a legacy. She taught all my children. All the kids that have been taught by Irene, stand up. Christian school or just anything. Your kids, your kid, I mean, we just lost an amazing saint. And we need about 10 of you to take up her anointing so that Sunday school and all that kind of stuff just keeps right on flowing, okay? So, uh, an amazing woman of God. All right, children, you're dismissed. Hey, uh, Mark... If you could get, or have you already turned everything down? Huh? Did you already turn everything off? Oh. Okay. So, well, I just wanted some scriptures to throw up there. But everyone else, just do normal scriptures. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for that. Well, I said it before, but just the most uh, wonderful memorial service I've ever been a part of. It was just so well uh, honoring to Jesus and to Irene and uh, the whole whole Campbell clan uh, that walks with you, Lord. So we're just grateful for the legacy. And uh, we all want to have a legacy, God. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying today in Jesus' name, amen. Here's the verse. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion into the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I sort of jokingly said, oh, last week's message was just for me. Um, because two weeks ago was my best week since I found out I had cancer. It was, I mean, I felt the best. 
no nausea, uh, no panic attacks. Not, it was just a wonderful week, and I thought, yes, we've reached the other side. And this week I had about six or seven panic attacks. And uh, in fact, yesterday I was in one when I walked in here. But uh, So I guess last week was for me. God is on the move. <laughs> when you have a horrible week, God is on the move. We had some neat things happen for us this week. In the midst of all of that happening to me, we were being blessed. And people were blessing us, and we got to bless other people. And uh, so uh, next week, not this week, the next week I start my five-day regiment, which the last three have not been good. So I'll start a new regiment, my fourth regiment next week. So not this week, the next week. So be praying that I'm it's way better than it's been in the past. Okay, so um, my, my purpose last week was simply to build confidence in you that God is moving. God is working. We can't see it sometimes. We can't feel it sometimes. Sometimes we feel like we're in the darkest place of our life, but God is moving, and he will never leave us or forsake us. So in the midst of pain or difficulty or fear or whatever it is, broken relationships, we need to believe that God is on the move. He is working. And the more we yield to him, the more he is working in us. In fact, I think I said this last week. What did I say? I said, I said, I said this, that... uh, It was good. What I said. Oh, here it is. The more faith we have for him moving, the more he moves. God's not doing anything. This is happening. This. When you say that, you give power to that. And you rob God from doing what he wants to do in your dark hour. Or in your bright hour. It doesn't matter. So, Here is verse 7. Charlotte, I'm going to be teaching 7 and 8 today, or just 7? Philippians. Philippians 1, 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Wow. Can I say that's true of you? It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. You're in my heart because I'm in your heart. How do you get into someone's heart? Do they do it or do you do it? You both do it. You both do it. And I can say that it, it happens through friendship that someone gets in your heart, that person that goes the extra mile, the person that, that is just sort of there for you, the p- people that are encouraging, they get in your heart. They get in your heart. And Paul said this to the Philippian church, man, you've gotten in my heart. 
you're in my heart. And, you know, with what Cheryl and I have been through and what you've done for us, you're in our heart. You have went overboard in kind words and encouraging words and text and calls and in so many ways, you are, you're in our heart. And, we, and you're not getting out, okay? But you're in your heart because of... As believers, we should be in each other's hearts anyways. But when you go the extra mile like you have, boy, oh boy, you get knit in people's hearts. We love all believers. We love all unbelievers. But the people that get in our heart are the people we hang with the people we serve God together with, the ones that pray with us and pray, f- and we pray for them. And, and so, yes, unsaved people, I, there's unsaved people, I love them. I mean, I love them. But fellowship in the Holy Spirit is something else. There are people I can laugh with and have fun with and talk about things and... and uh, but believers, when we get to talking about Jesus, there have been times when I have been with Joel and Daniel and Carrie, and we've been talking about the Lord, and I tell you, I get the fire burning in my heart because of the fellowship in the Holy Spirit. When you talk about the things of God, it just gets exciting. It just gets exciting. And, uh, you know, the average pastor stays at a church for two years. The average youth pastor stays for six months. How can you get in anyone's heart? And how can anybody get in your heart and you and me get in your hearts unless it's long-term, baby? Unless it's long, unless it's papa and grandpa and, and spiritual mama and spiritual grandma and, and other ones. How do, you, how do you get knit with people unless you hang together? and grow together, and cry together. I've cried this week. I've cried during these panic attacks. I hate them. I don't, I don't like what I feel. It's, people say, what do they feel like? I don't know. I've never had one before, but man, they're weird, and they're scary. And, they, and, and, and you know, there was a pastor in the valley during my th- three days where I was under, and there was always somebody... There's always a family member in the room with me during that three hours I was, three days I was out. And there was a pastor in the valley that came down while I was out and went in the room with Joel. And with Joel, they worshiped and prayed together for, where's Mallory? She's not in here. It was a couple hours, I think. And Joel said that during that time with that other pastor, he felt the presence of God stronger than he had in, in about six months. And when I heard that that pastor came down and worshipped with my son, I, 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 I texted him and I said, you will forever be in my heart for what you did for me and for my son. Thank you so much for what you did my heart got open to him, and his heart got open to me because we didn't know each other that well. But um, I'll never forget that. There are people 
that uh, they uh, they try to. Uh, I was going to say something. It was so. It was going to change your life, <laughs> and it's gone. Just be blessed over it. Whatever it was, just just go ahead and receive it. You know, there are times when I've had people push into me for what they could get from me. But how wonderful it is when people know they can bless the pastor too. When they learn that they can be a blessing to people. And... and the majority of people in this church that's pushed into me, it's all for a two-way street. There have been a few, you know, they're just sort of trying to get blessed by me, and that's okay. But, it, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I get blessed when I can bless you. I, I do. I get blessed when I can bless you either whole or one-on-one, or in a small group, or what, that blesses me. And you get in my heart when you reach out to me. You're a good church. (laughs) You're a good church. So Mike talked about how we get in other people's hearts and how easy it is for people to get in our heart when they're reaching out to us. And I'm kind of going to talk about the other end of how do we get people in our hearts that are hard to get in our hearts because not everybody is easy to get in our hearts. So I'm just going to reread the entire passage because I'm going to kind of go back to some of the stuff. So starting in Philippians 1, 1 through 6. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So the heart is considered to be the seat of our emotions. It's where we keep those things that we hold dear. Last month, we celebrated Valentine's Day, and it's a time for showing people you care or have affection towards them, whether it's just a friend or coworker or, you know, your spouse. And, of course, we all recognize the heart as the, the symbol for love. Nobody has to tell us that. 
we also say that our heart will follow those things that we hold dear. And one of the favorite lines in movies, favorite for them to use, is you just need to follow your heart concerning relationships usually. And don't get me started on why that's not usually good advice. But my point is that the heart is used to represent our feelings of affection or love for people and also where we ponder things that have a strong effect on us. And usually when we hold something or someone very dear, we'll often find our thoughts going to them and there's emotions that come up. You know, like for those of us who were here yesterday and especially for the family, so many emotions come up when you ponder someone that's dear to you and begin to to think about all the ways that you cherish them in your heart. You know, when people say, oh, don't take it to heart so much, what they mean is don't be thinking about it all the time. Don't let it affect you so much emotionally. And I've shared before how when my mom died, I physically felt pain in my heart. And I remember thinking, this is what people say. Mean when they, you know, say they have a broken heart. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, you know, even those of you who tend to be less outwardly emotional, you know what it is to feel things deeply. And you have certain people in your life that stir up strong emotions in you, even if other people don't see it and you don't express them as often as some of us who are more expressive. In some way, all of us can relate to what Paul's saying when he says, I have you in my heart. So he's saying this to the people of the Church of Philippi. And we all have people or things that we treasure or hold dear. And we would consider those things as that's close to my heart or they're close to my heart, meaning we think about them a lot and we have a lot of emotion connected to them. And it can be things or people. For instance, I know that some of you men, if your wife had your little sweet vehicle out and came home with a dent in it, there'd be a lot of emotion that would come up. So we can get our emotions and our heart, we can get things in our heart as well as people. In the last couple of times I've spoken, I've talked about this supernatural progression that happens when we just choose to obey God's simple commands. We don't have to be waiting for this big zap of lightning and we're going to change. Most of us, there's a lot of things we know we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing. And if we just start doing those things, there's a supernatural thing that will take place in us. So first we saw that Paul chose to be thankful for absolutely everyone he was serving, regardless of how he felt about them. And then he started to experience joy when he would pray for them. And now we find that Paul is saying these people are in his heart. And typically that's how it works. The things or activities or people that we value, we tend to invest our time in. And before you know it, we get emotionally attached to those things, people or activities 
that we invest ourselves in and value, and then they start to influence our behaviors and choices that we make. And that's why it is so important that we choose wisely what we invest our time into, what we invest our energy into and our emotions into. Because even when we believe and would say that we love our spouse and our family and our close friends, you know, more than anybody, if we aren't careful with our actions, it's not them that have the first place in our hearts. We can replace those that we would think are dear to us because of our choices and actions. We can replace them with other things or activities or people, and they start to fill up our time, our emotions, and our thoughts. And when this happens, we leave the very people that we really do want to love the most feeling rejected and feeling empty instead of full of that love that we want to have for them. So we always have to remember that love is an action. And what you do with your time, your energy, and emotions means way more than saying I love you, saying you're the most important person to me. Because if you say that but your actions don't show it, nobody really feels it or believes it. You know, I've sometimes seen this situation where, for me, it's usually been a wife that is so frustrated because their spouse will do anything for anybody. They will go at, you know, a second's notice and go take care of someone else, take care of someone else's broken down this or that or help someone, and yet they're not there for their family a lot of the time. And that family will just cringe when they hear someone praising that person for how great they are and such a good help. And so the very people that they want to hold dearest are feeling, you know, neglected because of their actions. So, like Martha, we can get so busy doing good things for God, even, and for other people that will neglect the most important thing he's called us to do, and that is first to be Jesus in our home and with those people that he's put in our lives. That is the first calling for all of us. And we, one time Mike and I, I know we've told this story before, but we were young and we went to this, I don't know, here at some church and some missionaries were speaking. They were children's. They ministered to children all over the world. And they were telling us about all these amazing things they'd done. And then they told us that they'd had to make this big sacrifice, that their own children lived in the States with family members, and they only got to see them so much time during the year because God had called them to go minister to these other children. And we were just, like, sickened. It just sickened our hearts that um, I don't even think we had children yet, or if we did, we just had one. I mean, not just one. She was still very special and important. But um, we hadn't even, you know, experienced parenthood very much, but we realized this is way out of whack. God did not call you to leave your children somewhere and go minister to some, some other kids. 
But sometimes we do this. We're still living in our home, but we're vacant to those that we want to love the most. And, um, you know, this is the beauty and the simplicity of the word of God. Like I said before, we don't need this big thing. We just need to see what God's telling us to do and begin to do those things. And then we will experience these spiritual changes in our lives. Uh, In Destiny Kids, for my group this week, the uh, scripture was Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect word. Being doers of the word that we know, that's what renews our mind. That's what makes us like Jesus. So in just these few verses, I just feel like they're so rich with what Paul taught this simple truth, this simple principle about the choices we make, that every choice we make is taking us somewhere. The choice to be thankful for the people that God places in your life, no matter how trying they are to you, no matter how annoying or frustrating they may be, that choice will take you to a supernatural place where the impossible happens and you actually can begin to feel joy when you're praying for them and thinking about them. And, you know, I've experienced this. I remember one time very vividly, I was sitting right over there many moons ago before I got my, you know, free senior Coke at Pizza Factory. I I was so excited that day and um, started ordering off the senior menu at Chef Serape and, you know, toting around grandbabies instead of, I was toting around my own babies instead of all my grandbabies. Uh, There was one man in our body and For years, he'd been a part of this church, and Dwayne and Trudy had poured so much into him, and Mike and I had loved on him, and those of you who were here, you know, everybody had loved and treated them as family, and he left our church. I don't even know the reason, but we started to hear, because, you know, you hear everything in a valley like this in a small area, nasty things he was saying about us at other churches and out and about town. And things would start getting, and I'm, you know, I was mad, I was annoyed, I, I was really hurt uh, by this person, and I remember uh, that that particular Sunday, this is like three years after, three years of this has gone on where you're hearing these things that this person's saying, and I got up to just walk back, and all of a sudden, there's that person, and I got a big smile on my face, and I went up and hugged him. I said, it is so great to see you. And as I walked away, I was shocked that I had done that. Like, I didn't know where that came from. And, you know, God showed me it's because all that time that I had that anger and that hurt, I had chosen, when those thoughts would come into my mind, to surrender them to God and to pray for God to work in this person's life so that when he was ready to come back, It was easy for me to love him. So, yes, I was shocked by my own good behavior. (laughs) But, you know, God can shock you guys too. So why did Paul feel this need to say, it is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart? 
And I think part of it is because Paul knew that there were people in that church that would be blown away by the fact that he had joy when he was praying for them and that he was thankful as he was thinking of them. Because there had to be people in that church who had caused disruption and problems, who'd criticized Paul, who had made things difficult for Paul. And so he's saying, like, you know, it's, it's right for me to feel this way, guys. This is, is normal because I have you in my heart. I really do value you. I really do care about you. I'm not being phony, just like I was not phony when I walked up to that guy. It was just something supernatural that God had done in me over those years of surrendering that to God and praying for him. Then he goes on to say in verse 7, And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. A few weeks ago, I read Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. I'm going to do it again. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then also I read from Jesus' prayer in John 17, verse 21. I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. When we truly surrender to Christ in this area, we will, Jesus' prayer will be answered, and we will get God's heart for other people. And it'll come up and surprise us like it did for me. One of the signs that we're truly born again is that we grow to genuinely love what the Father loves. It's not automatic. It's not instantaneous when you become born again. But if you are born again, a seed is placed in your heart, and it will grow and produce Christ in you. So naturally, if we are born of God and God is love, then we will start to demonstrate more and more the love of God, that unconditional love as we mature and as we grow. You know, with newborn babies, there's always been this thing with Mike, like me and his mom will be like, oh, they look like so-and-so, oh, they look like so-and-so, and Mike will just be, they just look like a baby. And, you know, truly, newborn babies do just look like babies. They don't really necessarily look like either of their parents. But as they grow, that DNA will start to come out. And if you have hung around their parents and you hang around them, you will start to see a reflection of their parents in them. And you'll start to see maybe a mannerism from mom or a facial expression from dad. These things start to come out. Like, I have been lately seeing Trudy and Mike, like, in these expressions that he's been making lately just the last couple of years, you know. And um, I've always seen things from both parents, but it just, it will come out more and more. Not perfectly, of course, but enough so that people are going to be, if they know your parents, they're going to begin to see these reflections. So if our Father God is love and we're not growing in love, 
then maybe we need to question whether or not we're born again, if we're born of God. Christianity, we all know, is not a religion. It's not following a set of rules or going to church that makes us a Christian. Biblical Christianity is this supernatural rebirth that takes place when we enter into this relationship with Jesus. And the biggest supernatural evidence that you're born again is not if we can prophesy or teach Sunday school or even if we have the ability to heal the sick, but it is that reflection of God that people begin to see in us of unconditional love. So Paul says that whether he's in chains or defending the gospel, we all share in the same grace. You know, he's letting them know he's not superior to them just because he's been in chains, just because he's preaching the word, that they're all bound together by the same grace. And the manifestation of God's grace for all of us is our salvation. Ephesians 2.8, some of you could quote it with me, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this grace that we all share in, no matter what our position is, no matter what, what area we serve in, is this unconditional love that sent Jesus to the cross for us. That's what we all share in. As children of God, we all have that spiritual DNA. It's not for the pastor to be able to love and forgive. It's not for the, you know, Sunday school teacher or the worship leader. All of us, if we're born again, have that DNA And that ability, like Jesus, to love the very people that put him on the cross and were mocking him. We have that placed within us. We are joint heirs with Christ. You know, when we adopted our oldest daughter and we went before the judge, he asked us, I don't remember how it was worded, but basically we had to commit to him that she was going to be like our other children to us. She was going to be the same. She was going to have the same inheritance. Everything was going to be the same. And we made that commitment before him. And that's what it is to be joint heirs with Christ. It's, it's like the same. We're like the same child to God as Jesus is. And all the inheritance, that ability to love unconditionally, it's all been deposited in us now. And we all have that. If we are truly born of God. We have that within us. So I've kind of been challenging you every week. So what I want to challenge you with this time is to really evaluate your spiritual DNA and see what's going on. Um, Because it is possible for all of us to love like Jesus did. Is it easy? No. But through Christ, is it possible? Yes. If there is anyone in your life that you refuse to love or forgive, then there's one of two things going on. Either you aren't born of the Spirit and you need to repent of your sins 
and fully surrender your heart and your life to Jesus. Invite him into your life and then watch this transformation start as you're reborn. Or you're born again, but you have an area where you're being rebellious and stubborn and not doing what you know God has told you to do and has empowered you to do. And you need to repent, and you need to begin that painful process of completely releasing hurt and anger and to start asking for and expecting Jesus to empower you to love and to forgive that person. And I just want to remind you, I'm not talking about feelings. Forgiveness is a choice and it's an action, just like love is. It's not a feeling. So just because you might have some bad emotions and feelings connected with someone, that doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. That's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes there are people that we just don't even start the process. We don't even go there to try to forgive them because we don't think they deserve it or because they haven't asked or we have a bunch of different justifications. Maybe what they did was so bad or maybe they just annoy us so much and it's a person who's in our life every day. It's not in the past. They're there every day and they're still annoying us. But God has still called us to love and forgive them. So last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, two weeks ago when Ryan talked about taking one choice at a time, one step at a time. And Paul gives us that example right here of these steps that we can take in order to get that joy in our heart and an actual, a genuine love and get people into our hearts that aren't easy to get into our hearts. So again, it's not easy, but if we're willing to do it, we have the power to do it. So today, I just want to ask wherever you're at in this process, if you are somewhere in this process where you're today, you're like, maybe I'm not born again because I haven't even begun to go there with forgiving and loving. And that's something I just, I just feel like I literally can't do that. Or maybe you're in a process where you're loving and forgiving, and you're making the choice, but you just really want God to release that DNA in you, to just activate that inheritance, to pour in you more power to love and to forgive. You know, we just want to give an opportunity for people to come forward, and I believe that God's going to meet you here in wherever you're at in the process, anybody who who wants to. And after people come up, then if people want to come and pray for them. But I believe it's a work that God's going to do because you're his child. He's just wanting to give that to you. You just need to ask. So I guess we need some music, guys in the back. I don't usually do this altar call thing, so... Right. So if you understand what she's asking you is just if you're struggling with someone or things that you feel like uh, you're having difficulty loving or forgiving, we want to pray for you because we've had some victory in this. So if 
If anyone wants to come forward right now, just come on up and, and we'll pray for you.